Hi, I'm Chris Varner. And I'm Sean O'Brien. Welcome to It's Not the Differences. Hello, everyone. Well, we're back. We're going to be a little bit heavier today because we've been light for a while. We're going to start off with we're going to pick a, a virtue. It doesn't have to be like a biblical virtue, a Christian virtue. It might accidentally be that, but it doesn't have to be. But then we're going to try and match it to a character from a movie, a TV show, or something like that. I'll start, and I'm going to start with, I have a lot of virtues to choose from. I'd love to say that I'm an exemplar of them, but I'm not. But I, I will. <laughs> the one I'm going to pick is dependability, the, the go-to person, the... If I pick up the phone, this person will answer and will do what I'm asking of them to the best of their ability and usually be successful. So my character that I thought of is Scotty, Star Trek Scotty. Because you can't think of a time when he was called up and said, no, I'm real busy now. <laughs> I can't do it, Captain. Or, or he just didn't answer. You got, the, you got, the, you got Scotty's answering machine. No. Even when the answer was, I can't change the laws of physics, it was only after I've tried everything I can think of, this isn't working, the alien's stronger or whatever. Always dependable, always there, always Johnny on the spot. Whenever there's a malfunction, even when Spock would make the, here's what we ought to do about it, it's usually Scotty jumping in the shaft or the electric, whatever it was, and get it done. And that's admirable. He was a get-it-done guy. He was the... Scotty's on it, and everything's going to be fine. I find that to be a really important virtue. I like that in other people. Um, I like. I try to cultivate it myself. Do you see yourself falling short in that? Perhaps that's sure. You admire and it. that's and that's problem. That's problematic because there's obviously no end to dependability. There's, there's no point where yeah. you can say. That's it. I'm done being dependable. <laughs> I've, I've been as dependable as it is possible to be. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoy being the guy who'll take care of it. And then the bigger you, you can make it be, whatever it is, the more I enjoy that. But it has its dark side, as you pointed out. It has the dark side of, yeah, but if you're there for everyone, are you ever there for yourself? And I guess one of the keys I need to cultivate better is, if I want to be Mr. Dependable, also do that for me. Be dependable to myself. When I have a call for something, I need to answer my own call. And I'm not very good at that. It's funny you say that because I often sometimes, often sometimes. You're like, often sometimes. Often it's sometimes. in between yes, often and sometimes. I'm really not sure here. <laughs> I often wonder I see. if I give more to my students than I do my own family. And that's something that I've been plagued with over the years. And... You know, do I give such, and, and people don't realize this unless you're a teacher, it's a, it's, it's a performance when you get into that really good lecture and you've got all eyes on you. And you, you know, I know how Celine Dion feels. I'm just making things happen, right? <laughs> um, when it's all said done, I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And it's like when I go home, are my kids getting the leftovers from that? Like, or are they getting versions right. of that? And, and that's, that's what I struggle with is when you rely sure. on that. I'm de am I dependable for everybody, but those that I should be most dependable for? Good point. I like that. I mean, when you, when you go home, especially when your kids are younger, and my kids are much younger, 
you go home and one of them says, hey, can you help me with, do you feel like saying, no, I just helped a whole bunch of people. Exactly. No. And you realize, no, I have it totally backwards. Right. Like that's, that's, that's completely wrong. Should have been the other way around. Right. Um, yeah, I, I like, I guess that's why I also like dogs more than cats. The cat dependable is not a word you apply no, to cats. That's okay. Tickles is on it. Like, never, <laughs> never, ever, ever are you going to say that. Whereas dog, like that's almost, they're dependable to a fault. Correct. Like what, what is it? You need me to go attack this burglar? I'm on it. He's going to kill me, but I got you. I'm there because you need you. me to be there. My dogs right now are waiting at the window, looking out of it, knowing this is about when he comes. It's about, it's about now. At some point. Um, and they'll go nuts when I come in like, oh, I can't believe it happened again. Can you believe this? Yet again. He did it again. <laughs> he did it again. Magic act. And I just love that feeling. I love, it's, it's funny because we complain sometimes about, oh, I got so much to do. Right, but that's because you've taken it on most of the time. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Like, look behind me. I got this stupid calendar back here. Probably shouldn't turn away from the mic, but I got this calendar back here with a lot of writing on it. Well, that's writing I put on it. Nobody came into the room and said, I'm adding this to your schedule. It was stuff I put on it. And I kind of enjoy that, I don't know if it's martyrdom or, or you know, masochism, whatever it is. I enjoy the, well, Sean's on it. I just like being that guy. See, I think it's also in our personality. It's in our DNA. Because I have a friend who's very much, you would just say, he's a type B. And this guy... He sells cars, and he could do much more, but he has a job that fits his lifestyle. His lifestyle is no kids, no wife, girlfriends here and there. He surfs every single morning and every single night, and so he has a job that facilitates that. He lives on the beach. He pays an exorbitant amount of money for 500 square foot, you know, <laughs> but for him, that's it. And part of me is like, don't you want more? Don't you want more in life? Like, he's living the life that he wants. Right. And so oftentimes I wonder... Is he happier? Am I happier? Like, where are we at? Yeah, I, I often think with that exact example or ex examples of people who, you know, I'm going to retire to Hawaii, and you think, well, but should I be doing that? Yeah, but we all chase different happy. Like, happy to, I think, both of us, I know for me and probably for you, is tied up in achievement. Correct. Like, it, these are wedded ideas. That is not to say it's the only pathway. Your, your surfer friend, achievement, is... <laughs> I don't really need that. Like, I don't find that to be important. Whereas you and I, I think, would not take long in that environment to say, yeah, but I'm not actually... I need to do something. I'm not achieving all anything. All he needs here. is some tasty yeah. waves. No, no, cool seriously, that's, that's not it. all I need. That's all he that's, need. It's literally not all I need. <laughs> uh, but to those people who do find meaning in that, good for you. Kudos. I'm like, jealous. To yeah, in a way, you say, how do I divorce this this um, need for achievement with happiness? How can I be happy without it? Maybe we can't. Could be upbringing, genetics, who knows what. But I don't think I could be. I don't think I could be happy if I weren't also achieving something or, or making progress towards an achievement. So you would be somebody like Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Zuckerberg. They're worth billions. Clearly, it's not about the money because right. they're still working. Right. Most people go, if I had that money, I wouldn't do anything. So you would be a little bit more in, in well, that let's, vein. Well, we could ask that question to both of us now. If you suddenly came into so much money that would be transformative, you win the lottery, have an inheritance, not just, oh, that's helpful, makes my life more comfortable, transformative amount of money, hundreds of millions, 
you keep teaching. I will. See, me too. Yeah. At least until maybe maybe I take teaching to a different level. Or you'd adjust right. your schedule to a way like I want to be able to enjoy teaching. But to teaching the is what I always say I feel I was put on the planet to do, right. at least at this moment right. right now in my life, and I couldn't imagine not doing it. That's why I hated the COVID, the lockdown, right. was I didn't get that same rush that, right. I, that I get, that, 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 that pull that I enjoy when you know you nailed it. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Like when you just nail a right. lesson, you nail this lecture and kids go, thank you. I didn't get that as much for over the Zoom. Right. And I missed it. I did. But then we could both answer that question so quickly and, and firmly. Like, yes, I would keep going. I might, I might alter the circumstances under yes. which I did it. <laughs> but... I would keep doing it. And I think that's because it's tied to a team. Like, yes, I, give me $100 million, check, I'll take it. But like that by itself isn't happiness. It's going to ease the pathway quite a bit. Oh, it would be me. great to not have to do the extra stuff. Oh, there's a and, lot of yes. things on the pathway to happiness I would happily clear off. But Summers would be more fun. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> Anything that we do as extra duty that we that money is a motivator that's no longer a motivator, and we'd find oh so, is doing this on its own enough of a motivator? Turns out it isn't. So I'm gonna have to say no to this extra paycheck. But the actual act of teaching, no, we we keep doing that. Uh, so that's me. Dependability, um, being there, being the go-to guy. That's my virtue. What do you have for your virtue? That's a tough one when you. Pop this on me. I'm still. That's uh, true. I was I'm trying still. to vamp a little bit. Hey, by the way, here we go. Uh, I like the idea of temperance, and I use the example of Malcolm X and Spike Lee. It's one of my favorite movies. Is the autobiography of Malcolm X, essentially taken from the, the mm -hmm. Alex Haley book. Malcolm X, to me, um, he was a guy who lived a life and was able to completely change it and never go back. And maybe from somebody, at least how I look at things, I'm always looking at trying to self-improve, and I feel like I'm always chasing my vices or running away from my vices and chasing hmm. virtues. And to see somebody that was so strong, like he put down cigarettes and never went back. And not, not one time, not like, well, I think I've earned three months or three years, right. I think I'm going to have a cigarette. Never did drugs, never stepped out with the women on his wife, um, you know, to the point where Elijah Muhammad, who he was, did. He did a little. Yeah, and <laughs> so that's where they broke the, you sure. know, with that. But... I've always admired characters or people that they can be completely transformative and it's stick. It doesn't feel like it's labored. Like it felt like they just became a new person, this virtuous person. And, you know, you, you whether it's uh, Paul uh, on the way to uh, Damascus. Right, be, okay. Like I always just feel like, why can't I just, I would love to just be this person that doesn't have all these, you know, uh, that doesn't lose his temper or think ill will or you know, that just could be real. And then I start to go, it's just never going to be possible. Um, or maybe you try to be this way, and then the ones that stick are more about who you really are. And you weren't supposed to be all of these, but maybe oh, just see. a little bit, hmm. kind of like, you know, the sculptor puts on a ton of clay and then shake, right. you know. So I don't know. When I see these these people like Malcolm X, I'm, I'm just envious of how, how could you turn your life completely around, turn your back on everything and not look back? To me, right. that's, that's, I've always admired people or characters that could do that. And in his particular case, it was the turning away of those vices and that were sort of in the gluttonous side. They the, were exactly. Okay. Instead, he, you know, 
uh, was very undernourished, and so he was so skinny. Right. That was part of, of what he did, and I just, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just more of a creature, you know. No, but the, the concept of the transformation is very, very powerful one, the idea that can we truly remake ourselves, can we, and in a very fundamental sense, too, not just, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, wear these shoes from now on, or these little affectations. No, a fundamental transformation of who a person is, one would hope for the better. And I've seen some people yeah. that would do this, let's just say friends I grew up with spiritually, it doesn't matter what religion, right. but they make, let's just say, they you know, convert to Christianity, and you know they're completely about it, they get rid of everything, and like two years later, they're right back to where they were before. Okay. And it's kind of okay. like, eh. but then you get Kirk Cameron, for example. Right, you know, converted to Christianity right. and never went back. In fact, yeah. became stronger. He's a so, true believer. Like yeah. how, how does it work for this person and not that person? Are we, I mean, if there is such a thing as well, you said back there a little ways on, are we? Does a person when a person transforms like that, like a Malcolm X, are they transforming into a new person or away from the false person? In other words, are they yeah. are they are they becoming themselves? I guess is the question. And is that why it sticks? Did Malcolm X, was he always the sort of, I'll say call it post-prison? Is, is, was he always the post-prison person and the pre-prison Malcolm X was the false identity? You know, it's a good question. Like, or do we even have a simple, single identity? You would chase identity... your tail on it because just you get some people that maybe get into the crime world. They go the opposite direction, but right. then that's not really them. It was just a victim of circumstance. It's free will. It's the idea of, of time. I mean, are we just catching up to something that's already happened? Is it a real, um, at least in terms of our paradigm of how we look at... So let's go further on to this. So what are your views on a person having... Well, I'll use the word sin. I want to divorce that from religion. So I'll just talk about a moral crime. Someone who's committed some sort of moral crime in their past. Must they carry that forever, in your view? Like, oh, let's think of their, I'll use something that might be close to, let's say they were a, a, um, a, a draft dodger or a deserter from the military. Okay, let's, let's use deserter, because we, have, we haven't been drafted in a long time. So someone joins the military, decides it's not for them, and then rather than resign, they just walk off the base. And now you've got people looking for them, and hey, where did so-and-so go, and we have a hole in our roster, what happened, and send military police and whatnot, and they never catch him. And the guy's got it, I don't know what they do, maybe on your record you have dishonorably discharged, I don't know what it is. Does that person have to carry that forever? Or should there be a time when, no, you know what, we hereby absolve you of that? I don't have an answer to that. My gut feeling tells me that once you at least paid a penance for whatever ill-advised or immoral thing that you did, should it carry, should it, should it be a scarlet letter on you forever? No, I don't think so. I think without redemption, what's the point of I guess anything? that's what I'm saying, yeah. But I think you have to still come, you still have to deal with that. You know, you have to, there's consequences to actions, I think, when you deal with those, that's why I, I, my view has changed about people who are, you know, former convicted felons on voting. They used to be like, nope, you screwed up. But then I went, they they paid their price. Uh -huh. So maybe they, they should get a second chance at, at this. You know, I mean, what, they've already paid their crime. They already did, you know, they're on, on parole. When that's over and they've proven that they could be a member of society, why should they maybe not regain that 
So we have decided on whatever sentence for this crime, once that sentence has been executed, as it happened, there's no more stains. Like, you're, you're done. I think because if not, then what incentive does anyone have to better themselves when they get out of the correction? Yeah, other than just a personal sense of renewal. Right, that's not going to put food on the table. And if, if I'm always going to be stained by this, and in a tangible way, like I lose the franchise or it's going to be attached to my record all the time. You know, it makes, reminds me when people go for job interviews, they fill out the job interview sheet, which I haven't done in how many decades now. <laughs> right. Um, but one of the questions is always convicted of a felony. And if you, you got to know if I'm checking yes here, that's being put in a different pile. Like right. it's not just. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I, I used to be very unsympathetic to that. Well, right. you screwed up, and now that I've gotten older, I've got kids. I've been teaching. I see students that go off track, unfortunately. They're finding their way. They come back. Why? There, there should be some redemption when you've paid the price, when you've, you've answered for whatever crime, whatever injustice that you committed. I think that there should be a you know, slate clean. Maybe murder is an exception. We could start. There might be some rules. irrecoverable. We might, yeah, we could probably go yeah. into that, obviously. But let's just say your average 17, 18-year-old kid screwed set, up. Yeah. And, you know, should that follow them into their 40s? No. Well, that does take us to a place that we've off-air talked about a lot. Maybe we don't want to venture on-air. But the idea of someone tweeted something 12 years ago. Gosh. Yeah. That might have been less than perfectly progressive. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't even an awful, Hitler had some good ideas. <laughs> You know, I probably should have said that because someone could take that clip just out of right, context now. Right, I'm in real, record, tro I'm in real trouble now. No, so <laughs> it wasn't that kind of statement, but it was a definite, awkward, sort of dumb, shouldn't have done that dude statement. Do we dredge that up I 12 think years that, later? I think that that opens up the, the, the reality to revisions of, of putting people, like we've, we've talked about Shakespeare. Right. Like, is it fair to look at the lens, the progressive lens that we're at now towards people that didn't know. Like, you're ignorant to that. Um, I don't know. One time they thought the world was flat. We don't go back and make fun of those people and stuff like that. We, we allow them to evolve yeah. and the ideas. And there's and even times, I don't know if you do this, when I you read something about ancient history or whatever, you read about the ancient Greeks and their navy, I'm just picking something, and you, real, you look at an innovation they had. You think, that's brilliant. From the people who had never thought of electricity. Like, on the one hand, brilliant little invention you have. The sundial. That's brilliant. That you realize, hey, shadows tend to move like thus, and if we mark it just like so, we can get a pretty good estimation of how long things are. Brilliant. <laughs> but at the same time, you haven't, like, figured out that the earth is round. Like, or whatever it might be. I've always fascinated by innovations in the past based on like the tools they had at the time. Yeah. Given what I have, this is the best I can do. Maybe it's the same way socially. Given what is going around me socially, this is the best I can do. And it takes a Shakespeare or a Cervantes or whoever to transcend their, their environment and say, actually, there's a, there's a whole other layer of human experience. I also find it, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. There's no. There's plenty of people that are wrong right now that we should go after. Why are there's we, no need to dredge yeah, up. Why, why are we finding a reason to not like somebody who, in many cases, is dead and has been dead for a long time? Um, I just think, like, really, really. I've said that too. Where the um, the the pop mob 
can sometimes train that fire on things that that that's the target that's, over there. That's it. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of big bad problems. We're gonna this one though. We're gonna really make sure this one gets solved. Um, and I don't mean trivia like people texting. Can you believe who that mass singer was? No, that's fine. It's fun. You you need escapism. I mean attacking some figure who is just harmless, who might have said a clumsy thing that it would have been lost to history 10 seconds after it was said. And yet we've got to dredge it up and got to pin it on them, like you said, a scarlet letter. The funny thing with the redemption is, for me, I am very stingy on redemption to myself. Even if the world has decided... You know, it's okay that you did that 20 years ago or you made this comment because you didn't realize at the time it was wrong. We learned stuff from it. I tend to hang things around my own neck like an albatross a lot. I'm sure you do. I do the same thing. And I, yeah, I tend to not um, forgive myself very easily, even if the world... There's, there's been moments when I've said something to someone, hey, I'm really sorry that I did this thing one day, and they'll say, I don't remember you doing now, that. Isn't that weird how you, you, you lose <laughs> sleep over it and they don't even remember it? That happened... They'll say, okay, well, it's okay, since clearly I don't remember it. And it still doesn't help. Like, when other people forgive me or tell me it's okay, it really doesn't seem to help much. I mean, it helps in the sense of, oh, good, so you're not hurt any longer. That's nice. I still carry it, like the Nautilus You just Nautilus put too shell. much of an expectation on yourself, perhaps? I guess. Um, maybe it goes back to that dependability thing. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe when... I make a moral failing. It's a failing of dependability. You couldn't depend on me to Everyone be... Everyone said that uh, Sean O'Brien would I'll, never do this. That one day, remember when he did that thing? Yeah. Um, but again, that might be part of that imposter syndrome, too. But, we're really... But, you know, I'm glad we do this. We're a lot of stuff. <laughs> this I feel free, great about things. This <laughs> free psychoanalysis <laughs> session. Do we have any... Okay, so let's get off that. Any other virtues that we like, that we can exemplify? Let's see if we can do one together that we can... Think. Maybe we think of it backwards. Think of our favorite characters and what they're let's like. Go Rocky. The, let's go for like, the movie Seven and work back. That's, <laughs> that's in reverse. So Gandhi <laughs> would be anti-gluttony. No, so um, Rocky, you like you like Rocky Balboa? I do like Rocky Balboa. Why? I Virtue think because wise. Rocky did it for the fight, not the rewards. So and the then purity, so the purity angle. The purity of just being a warrior. Um, in fact, when he did get all the riches, he lo lost himself and therefore okay. lost his ability to fight, and hence Rocky III, the eye of the tiger, etc. So I, I don't know what you would even necessarily call that. Well, the first Rocky has, I think, that great ending. That's a fantastic ending. When he loses, does he lose by decision? He loses by decision. But he almost can't even hear it he because care. he's shouting yeah. for Adrian. Doesn't even care. That he finished the fight, and it was a close, you know, like close decision. Yeah. So yeah. that's very pure. And it's You're good right. if you really want to look into it that, okay, I don't think we need to do this. <laughs> uh, Apollo Creed, obviously fighting for a different reason, ended up being his untimely death because he couldn't let it go and forced, okay. it forced himself through his own ego to get in the ring with a much smaller, bigger, right. stronger guy and ended up in his death. So you've got the tale of two different personalities and two warriors. Right. Um, so you like the Rocky for the sense of purity, doing something for the for the... Sheer sake of doing it. No result, just the thing itself. We do that in coaching a lot, don't we? That, that I think we're, so. We're playing this play well because it's good to do things well. And that should be in, in and of itself enough. 
I sometimes when people ask about my writing sometimes. So you're going to sell these? Well, yeah, but that's not, you're missing the point. What if you get really rich doing it? No, you guys are focusing on completely the wrong thing. The thing is, I wrote a story, and I wrote it as best I could. That, that was its own thing. It's its own reward. And that could be, that's just a, a man or woman enjoying their craft, what yeah. they were doing. And I don't think that many people can do that anymore. I don't think that people are allowed to find out what their, their craft is. Well, we in have influencers that are quite literally the opposite of a craftsperson. Correct. Like, they're devoid of crap. Of anything like, of substance. Right, right. right. The complete opposite. You did something, I'm going to do nothing. And yet you're like um, like a Bob Ross, I guess. He'd be like a craftsman painter, I guess. We'd Bob Vila, even, if you want to see There you go. Bob's. And, um, yeah, they had shows, but especially with Ross, you get the sense, well, you had it because he literally wanted everyone else to, to feel be able this. To paint. Yeah. You know what would be cool is if you could do this, too. Well, you can. You just do these little spongy things. Um you're right. I don't know the last person you'd think of that was in it for craft. And just the pure nature of, I'm just because it's good to do things well. Maybe um, that's, that goes back to what we're talking about. Ron Swanson. Ron idea. Swanson's yeah. your guy. But he also, his job that he made all his money, he hated. In fact, he, he set true. out to sabotage. That's but true. his craftsman, he didn't make any money off of, but that's what he enjoyed doing. Now, the key to happiness is getting paid to do what you love. And this I think you and I are very lucky. Yes. It, despite really all the bureaucracy and red tape, at the end of it, what we like is a relationship with the kids and having a kid years later come up and you don't remember who they are and to say thank you. Right. And it's like, I, I've told my, my, my brother, who I've mentioned has some money, <clears throat> you know, I've told him that I get to live through my students because maybe right. one thing I said gets them to meet their spouse, which leads them to have a child. And, you know, like I was a part of that. Right. Mortality. Yes, it is, a, it is an immortality thing. And you're right. We can live through the, our students. I had a student just come in the other day. It was, it was a student I had last year, so she was just reconnecting. And I said something to her about, oh, you will enjoy this. It was a book. I can't remember what it was. You'll enjoy this because the main character is a lot like you in this sense, and I made some comparison to it. I wish I knew what it, to remember what it was. But I made some comparison to a character book to her. She said, you actually got that off of me? I said, well, yeah. She said, well, it's true, but I didn't think anyone noticed that. I said, oh, no, we, we notice quite a lot about you students. We just don't comment on it all the time. It's funny. And she was that, amazed right. that you know that much? Well, yeah, how could we not? But see, that sums up why I think our students struggle, and young people in general struggle so much with mental health, is they think what they're feeling is completely yeah. alone. There you go. Nobody understands what I'm thinking, and I always tell them, no, I know exactly what you're thinking, and so do a ton of other people right. in this room, but feeling alone and feeling empty is the mental health crisis. That's where it's coming from. They just need to know, I get you. That's what those uh, groups are like, right? When you go to a group, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or... Yeah, it's just, uh, you know... You, it, Sure, some people are there to sit there. Go. At least I'm not that bad. But you know, unless <laughs> it's sort of Jerry Springer. Yeah, hey. um, but yeah, to know that. Oh, so not only are there are a lot of people. There's so many. They have to schedule a room, and you know, there's one. There's a group coming in after us, right. and there's that many people suffering. I guess that's a very. Let's end on this. That's a very optimistic way to view it, because the pessimistic way would be, oh my God, they still haven't found an answer to this. There's this many people that suffer. But the it's like I say to the students. This is what I'm going to end with. And I say, the optimist sees and hears an ambulance go by, sirens blaring, lights flashing, 
The optimist thinks, oh, good. And the kids go, why would an optimist think it's good that there's an ambulance? Is it because there's humans to the rescue? Yeah, something went wrong, but we're on it. We have an entire system for this. We have a special car, it has little lights, we all move out of the way. We have an entire system set up for, if something goes bad, we're on it. We have, an entire, we have an entire department that reacts to something bad happening. Versus, oh my God, something bad happened. Well, yeah, that's true, it did. And that's, it's tragic that it did happen. But look at us, go humans, we're on it. We have a whole thing for it. We don't just go, oh my God, a kid fell, what are we gonna do? No, there's a whole, we have a special phone number, someone will come running, and they're trained in helping whatever happened. That's great. That's fantastic that civilization has decided, oh no, we'll, we'll handle it, we're on it. And guess what? It's just ordinary people just like you. We'll take you, for example. Hey, there's people out there that might want to hurt our country. Okay, I'll, I'll go stop them. You guys, you guys do what you're doing. I'll be, I'll be back. Maybe keep the, keep the casserole warm. <laughs> but we'll, we'll go take care of it. And that's what we're all doing, it seems to me. Hey, we've got a bunch of kids that don't know anything about anything. Okay, I'll get them. And we all pitch in like that. And we all go, hey, there's this big problem. And someone raised their hand. I'm on it. Me and my buddy will get it. That's when America's at its greatest, don't you think? We should have patriotic music playing. That was really inspired. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it's going to cover the Hitler comment. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think it cancels out. All right. Well, that was. if you have your favorite character, go watch him in a movie. Watch her in a movie and see if they can exemplify some virtues. If you'd like to hear more from Chris Varner, please visit my lifestyle channel called Just a Dad Bod. And for Sean, you can find my books on Amazon or on my website at seanobrienauthor.com.